Hello, and welcome back to the Full Out Podcast. It's Sam, your host, and I'm so happy you are joining today. I have guest Andrea Lowell on the podcast. She's a self-mastery mentor and manifestation expert, and she has a giant background in the entertainment industry, and I feel like we have so many parallels. I am so excited to hear about your journey and to learn all of the goodness. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Girl, I am so happy to be here. I know it's no coincidence that you and I are speaking today, and I cannot wait to see where this conversation goes. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm, it's such a joy. I'm I'm super pumped because I actually am like, ooh, where are we going to go? But I feel the energy. I feel the fire. And I feel like you and I are both pretty spicy people. Totally. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, it gets to come up today. So I would love to start with, before we get into your background, I would love to start with what does it mean to you to live your life full out? What a big, beautiful question. Now, I know you and I have performance background and you and I and anyone who's been involved in dance or gymnastics or cheerleading or anything like that knows the difference between like kind of marking your movements and going full out. And to me, that's really what it means. It means showing up fearless. It means showing up and making moves in my life through unconditional love and unwavering faith in the divine. It means that I move and I act and I react, not caring about the opinions of others because I know that I have integrated spiritual principles. I'm not just discussing them. I know that I am embodied and that I am integrated. So it's absolute confidence um, without false modesty, right? It's knowing that I'm here on purpose and I'm going to act as such, you know, really just not having to edit myself, not having to walk on eggshells, showing up as my full authentic self and having no apologies for it. Mm. Yeah, girl. So <laughs> juicy. So my question is, were you, when you were in your entertainment career, do you feel like you were living full out or do you feel like you were on your way there? Did you feel like you were fully embodied or no? Oh, no, I was fully performing. I was full out performing, but I was not me at all. I didn't know who I was, Sam. Like I started in entertainment when I was about 12 years old, but it really became my career full time around 1920. And at that point in your life, you don't even know who you are. You don't know you're not embodied. You don't know who you're supposed to become. You haven't aligned with, well, for me, I can only speak for me. I hadn't aligned with any sort of divine purpose yet or anything like that. So I was really putting on a facade for years of who I thought I was supposed to be and who, you know, my directors told me to be, my producers told me to be. So I went full out with what I was supposed to do on stage, on set, in front of a microphone or camera, but I didn't even know that that wasn't me. So yeah, totally not embodied. Didn't even know I wasn't embodied. Probably if you would have asked me what that word meant, I would have been like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> totally. So what does that mean to you now? Because I, I love hearing everyone's different definitions of what that means. So what does it mean to you from this vantage point to be embodied in your confidence, in your divine purpose, in your life? It truly means to me integration. Once I have learned and taken in spiritual principles, honesty, courage, brotherly love, like all those beautiful things, humility, and I can live them instead of just espouse them. Like I can talk a good game. You know, I was an on-air radio host three hours a day, no commercials for over a decade. So I can yap. But 
do I know these things or am I just reciting these things? So embodiment to me means going from that place of just being able to discuss or pontificate over and actually practicing in everything that I do. Am I walking in faith? Am I walking in honesty? Am I walking in humility? Am I practicing the unconditional love that I talk about all the time? And the answer is yes. And it it was quite a journey. It took me a long time to really be the person that I knew I could be, right? Mm. Can we can we hear about that journey? Like I want to hear about the journey. I want to hear about the if you're open to sharing, cause I think that the listeners really appreciate this. I think sometimes we have guests come on and, you know, people that have built these businesses or have created these big changes, but a lot of listeners are like, yeah, but that's just for you, Andrea, or that's just for you, Sam. And what I always want to remind the women that listen to this podcast is that we had our dark, dirty, ugly days too. And we've lived real human lives that were not picture perfect, that were not Instagram filtered, that were not where we are now either. And so I would love for you to share what that journey looked like from that before point to where you are now. For sure. You know, I I know I've had a lot of people send me DMs or leave comments in the past, like, oh, well, it must be so easy for you. Like, look at you. You are, you are in entertainment. You have money. You can be grateful. Let me just put this straight out there. I was making a lot of money, but I was paycheck to paycheck because I was living for everyone else's approval. I was the biggest people pleaser on earth. We'd go out to a bar and you know how people are like, oh, you're a pretty girl, guys buy you drinks. You've never paid for a drink in your life. It was the opposite. I would buy the entire bar drinks. I would buy everyone shots because I wanted everyone to love me. I wanted to be seen as a big shot. I wanted to, again, put on that facade that I had made it and that I was successful. Now, who has to put on a facade? Someone who's in denial and delusion and a fake and a phony. So that was me. I was phoning it in. That's why now when I can say like, oh, I'm integrated, I'm embodied, it's because I was so not that I know exactly what that contrast feels like. So. Yeah, I started, you know, in entertainment um, full time in my early adult life, and I really didn't know who I was at all. And I started becoming a caricature of myself, and I just kept, like, in a really gross way, people pleasing everyone, people pleasing the fans, people pleasing my co-host, my staff. Oh, you like it when I do this? Okay, I'll do more of that. And so the woman that I was becoming had nothing to do with my own likes, interests, desires, and it had more to do with what everyone else wanted from me. And I just doubled down on it. And it got to a point, um, late twenties, you know, where I was so miserable and night after night, um for probably about two or three years this is where it got like real nasty i lived in an emotional rock bottom i could not figure out why i was so miserable i couldn't figure out why i was feeling hopelessness and despair and i don't use those words lightly like i literally thought i wasn't even going to live to 40 years old because i was drinking like a rock star partying like a rock star, like really embodying Hollywood culture and lifestyle and not embodying any truth of my essence or any truth of my soul. So when I look back, it's like, of course, that's why you were miserable. You were filling this like spirituality sized hole in your life 
with alcohol, with shopping, with people pleasing everyone, with, you know, getting a personal trainer or working out or, you know, other things, food, whatever. I was stuffing this void in my life with everything but what it wanted to be stuffed with, which was a relationship with the divine, with source, with my higher power, you know, and that spiritual bankruptcy led to emotional bankruptcy, which led to a very turbulent and dark mindset. And that's why I say, like, I thought I was going to not even live. I knew that since alcohol was like my number one coping mechanism, like if I didn't want to think about how upset I was or how miserable I was, I would just drink over it. And that's why I was like, I, if I keep drinking the way I'm drinking night after night to unconsciousness, because I don't want to think about the reality I'm living in, there's no way I'm going to live another you know, 10, 11 years. It's just not possible. My liver can't even handle it. It was at a point, and I don't think I've ever shared this publicly before, but I'll tell you. Um, my drinking was so out of control, Sam, that my liver would hurt. And the only thing that would make my liver stop aching was to be to drink more alcohol. So I just knew, like, I can't keep living like this. But since I didn't have any embodiment since i didn't have vulnerability humility i was too embarrassed to tell anyone i didn't tell my husband he'd be like are you okay like do you maybe have like a problem with alcohol or you know you just seem unhappy oh no honey i'm amazing everything's fine i'm just tired i'm just exhausted you know i'm a performer and it just depletes me and I look back and I think I had so much shame and guilt around what I was doing. And I just stuffed it, stuffed it, stuffed it, stuffed it. And I finally just like got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I had a moment of clarity, a revelation, an epiphany. And it was not under the influence of even alcohol. Um, it was not, you know, mushrooms or ayahuasca. I've never done that. But I, if it called, I'd answer, but it hasn't called. Um, I remember just like, thinking and looking around and being like, honey, you are lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. And I know it was divine intervention because it just popped into my head and it hit me like an 18 wheeler just barreling into my chest. And I had never thought this before. I thought I was an honest person. I, if you had asked me then, oh, I'm so honest. Oh, I'm so nice. I'm so giving. No, I was living in the biggest state of denial ever. And I blamed the world for my problems. It's my producer's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's society's fault. It's, you know, like just everything but me. And when I had that moment of clarity, I realized, okay, well, if you're lying to yourself, then the solution means ruthless and radical self-honesty and self-appraisal. Let's start looking at all these areas of self-deception and that's exactly what I did. I literally put the drink down the next day, which was like crazy because I'd wanted to not drink for <laughs> years. And I, the desire just left me. And I started connecting with this divine power that had sent me that download. And the rest is history. You know, I started seeing 444, 333, 1111, all the things. And I started looking it up and I'm like, oh gosh, there's angels with me there's ascended masters with me like a portal for my expansion is open what's this and so i kept following those signs i kept knowing that i was being guided and supported and i just didn't stop and so that's how my path of self-mastery began and that's how my path of integration and embodiment uh, pretty much 
shook out. So <laughs> damn girl, that's so powerful. There's so many things in there, like taking notes uh, that I want to touch on. So one thing that I really, really resonate with is that re releasing the shame and the guilt. And it's something that I do a lot with my clients. I feel like so many women are carrying around guilt and shame about past choices, about past choices with partners or substances or job, you know, decisions. And I'm curious if you see this in your work and how you support women in releasing the shame and guilt. Totally. Well, I always can use my own life story as a, a, a lesson for others. I can look back at the facts of my life and the decisions I made during my life to see how, even though they might've not been, you know, on a higher dimension or a higher playing field, or even were from fear, lower consciousness, I can see how they were all divine gifts to bring me to this point in my journey. Now I can see how every, you know, weird decision I made had to bring me to a certain level of pain to get me to recognize it as a jumping point or a catapult to shoot myself into a new direction with. So I look at my life and I see how every choice was divine. Does that mean that I nailed it the first time? Absolutely not. Several times the universe had to get louder and louder and louder. You know, now I can listen to it whisper so I don't have to hear it scream. But before when I was clouded by, you know, alcohol and bad decisions and the shame and the guilt, I couldn't hear it. I was pushing it out with my ego, with that lower consciousness, with that just third dimensional crap, that, that karmic residue of that crust and that slime and that sludge. How could I hear anything? I was jammed up like a, like a pipe with, you know, sludge and hair stuck in it. So it had to scream at me. But I look back and I see how my story has always been divine. And I can look back and I can be so proud of you know, the fact that I did say yes to certain things and I eventually did listen. So how can I have shame or guilt still knowing that either everything's divine or nothing is divine, right? So knowing that everything is divine, us talking is divine, you know, the water we're drinking is divine, the hair on my head is divine, like everything's divine. So me saying yes and me being in this journey of expansion, just like you are in, your clients are in, I'm in, my clients are in, it means that we're right on track, right? Like I know I'm on purpose and I know I have divine purpose and my pain points fueled my purpose. So how could I possibly be sad about that or have guilt about that? I didn't know what I didn't know when I was 20, but guess what I know now? So I would, if I were to know what I know now and still choose horrible decisions, yeah, I would probably still be in shame, but I know enough now and I have the spiritual tools now to know how to transmute um, that shame and that guilt through unconditional love, self-compassion, mm. acceptance and allowance and faith into an asset that can serve me, uh, purpose to serve others, or just some sort of amplification of my dharma. Mm. Yeah, I, I fully believe that everything's happening for us. And I look back at some of those things where, you know, I look at my, my marriage and my divorce. And at the time it was so painful and it was so hard. And I really resonated with that, that denying the honesty with myself. I, I didn't want to look at it and I shoved away everything else. And 
at this point in my journey, I'm like, thank God that happened. Like I am so grateful because it put me on this path. So for the woman that is moving through a hard time right now, what would you tell her? She's in the thick of it. She's in the shit. She's in the muck. And she's like, I'm moving somewhere. Cause I know that there's something greater for me, but right now life is pretty fucking tough. What would you tell her? You know, it's such a great question because we have to remember the truth of the universe, the truth of universal law and natural law. The only constant is in fact change. So when we feel like we are trapped in quicksand or something that's like taking us down slowly and painfully, it's like, oh my God, I'm sinking. I promise you'll get through it. You know, we see ourselves as stuck in this dark cave. So I tell people, focus on the light at the end of the tunnel. The more you focus on the end result or the lesson you're gonna learn from this or the new woman you're gonna emerge out of this, you kind of like that Phoenix rising, like you have to kind of crumble to reemerge anew. Let's put our energy and attention on that because where we put our energy and attention on is what expands in our life. But if I choose, and I use the word choose very carefully to focus on all the shit, all the darkness, all the everything. That's what's going to expand. I'm not saying we spiritually bypass stuff and don't fully be here now and allow everything to unravel, but let's choose to not have the perspective that this is going to take us down. It's life or death. It's icky. It's gross. And I would also tell someone, what's your relationship with your higher power source? Because I can't have fear and faith at the same time. They're two diametric frequencies on the quantum scale. They cannot coexist at the same time. So if I'm in absolute fear, oh my God, I'm going to lose the house. Uh, you know, what, what if I don't get alimony? Like da, 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 da that's fear. I have to identify that. Okay. I'm doing it again. I'm taking a valid concern. I'm letting it spiral out into a fear. Now that's lowering my frequency, my vibration. I'm going to start manifesting things I don't want. Okay. I got to catch it, flip it, turn it over. So how I would have a client turn it over is I would say something like, dear God, dear source, dear universe, you know, whatever we want to call it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making these feelings and these thoughts feel so icky and so gross that I know in this moment that it's something I need to turn over to you. I do not like these feelings of fear. I do not want these feelings of fear. I do not need these feelings of fear. Thank you for taking them from me. And thank you for restoring me to an absolute unwavering frequency of faith. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And through like a little espousal like that, that sometimes we do once and it works. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm still feeling it. Do it for 30 minutes, still feeling it. Do it for three hours, still feeling it. Do it all day, every day until it's gone. What I'm doing is I'm actually rewiring my brain. So if I'm at point A and I'm trying to go to point B and it's really, really hard, but I keep doing that turning over process, identification, transmuting it through gratitude, turning it over, eventually my brain is going to know point a b very well and i can skip all the middle minutiae and lexicon you know verbation and just go straight to faith and gratitude so i've now gone okay i have a valid concern i'm already in gratitude everything works out in my favor it always has so also on that note looking at the facts of our life knowing that feelings are not facts. Feelings are a divine internal guidance system to remind me if I'm on or off course and what I need to adjust. But I can look at the facts of my life. You can look at the facts of your life and say, it had to be that way. Everything that I thought would take me down, every relationship that I thought, oh my God, I can't not be with this guy. My life's gonna be over. Any, you know, same thing with like, maybe a transgression with a boss or a problem with your parents. Everything that we thought was gonna ruin our life and literally take us into the depths of hopelessness and despair, 
we persevered through with grace and ease, most likely. So I remind my clients, look at your facts. And this is why writing things down and journaling is clutch because I do all my work with my clients with pen and paper. Because I want them to look and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a baddie. Oh, yeah, I've always been carried spiritually. My higher power source has been carrying me from birth till now. What? They're going to stop carrying me now? I don't think so. I always say my higher power source didn't take me this far to drop me on my ass. So if I believe that, I ask you to believe that too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that there was so much good stuff in there. One of my mentors, Jenna Phillips Ballard says, you've survived 100% of your worst days. Yes. Why do you think that anything is going to shift now? Right. And so that's a great and potent reminder. If I'm having a bad day, I can choose to climb the vibrational scale, right? Like, okay, I'm in a shitty mood, right? I can know where it's coming from through the practice of self-awareness and self-honesty, but I don't have to let it ruin my entire day or week. I can say, okay, I'm in a bad mood. I know where this is coming from. I'm going to choose to do whatever I need to do to improve my frequency. And it's always so simple, Sam. People are like, oh, I don't have time to do a retreat. I don't have time to go to a goddess circle. Oh, I can't do a full ritual. It's not a full moon yet. Yeah, you know, that's your ego overcomplicating everything. How about you put on a song that you love from high school that like makes you dance? How about you like just light some sage or Palo Santo? How about you open the blinds and see the beautiful sun pouring in, right? Like it's not complicated. We don't need to overcomplicate how we climb from the depths. I know for me, one of the best things I can do is let the sun touch my skin. If I just put my hand out and let the sun kiss my skin with that warmth and that heat, ooh, I'm like, you know what? I got father son. Like I'm good. So I always want to remind people the solutions are often so brain dead simple that we just overlook them because the ego wants everything to be so complicated. And the ego is begging us to stay small, begging us to stay miserable. Whereas the soul is so expansive and the soul just wants peace. And guess what? The soul is simple. The soul isn't overcomplicated right? And sometimes it could even be just putting your hand over your heart, looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I love you. You are everything. You are everything you need. There's nothing outside of yourself that is not the potent medicine that you came here to know and love. Mm, Yes. I do this. I do this exercise. This reminds me of it. I do this exercise in a lot of my group containers where I do a lot of journaling. So we'll ask, you know, what's coming through. We journal, we journal, we journal about, you know, a million different prompts. And for my women that are still overthinkers, because we, I got a lot, I call in a lot of overanalyzed and overthinkers. And I'm like, yeah, boo, I see you. That was me too. Um, so of course I call that in, right? Like attracts like, and so, you know, the journaling can be really powerful. And sometimes I still feel that women are still stuck in their head. Like the ego still is having its control. But when we put our hands on our body, hand on the heart, hand on the womb space, we close our eyes, we take a breath and then ask the body. And, you know, I was, I was a dancer. So for me, the embodiment being in the body is so powerful. And what happens is that most women really realize when they ask the body, and I feel like that's asking your heart, that's asking your higher spirit, that's asking your higher self. The answers are so gentle and so simple. And it's exactly what I'm hearing you say is, you know, when we're overcomplicating, it's the brain, it's the overthinking, it's the ego. It's that everything that wants to keep us stuck and paralyzed versus trusting the body, trusting the heart, trusting your higher guidance system, whoever, and whatever that is for you. And normally it's that, it's that exhale. It's that one word. 
And that just feels so juicy. Like I feel it in my body. As I say it, I feel Same. it in your body as you say it. And, and you guys can't see us right now, but both Andrew and I are like moving our bodies all around. So if you want to move with us, like give us some shimmies and some, some rib moves. Um, but it's just so powerful that, you know, that was one of the ways that I learned, okay, is my ego speaking or is my heart speaking? And, and one of these cool little tips I just want to share for the listeners. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but when we're listening to the words we're speaking, words have power, right? So if I am asking a question of myself, what's the next move? Where do I get to go? And my response is, I think I should, it's coming from the brain because I'm thinking versus the verbiage. I feel I should. And it's coming from that body. I'm feeling into what is my heart asking for? What's my body asking for? So I love that as just a quick little tip and tool. If your brain is saying, I think, I think, I think, and speaking on run on sentences, we're probably in the mind and the ego versus that simple felt decision and experience. Oh my God. 1000%. What I've learned too, when I'm trying to make a decision, my first thought which is the simple, the clean, the short, yes, no, go for it, whatever, is usually always the truth. And then the second, the, like immediately after, the second thought is, oh, but wait, can you do this? Do you have the money to do that? Like, how how are your friends gonna think about this? Oh God, is it gonna embarrass your family? Like, whatever it is, that second thought is my ego and my mind space talking my heart and my soul out of the truth that it first told me. So I really want the listeners to listen to that first thought. It's usually the intuition. And I say thought loosely because thought intimates it's from the mind, but it's more of a knowing, like something just pops into my mind, right? But like, we know my mind is not my soul. So whatever that first voice came from, that was my soul, like impregnating my mind with the truth. What I also do, because we're all so different, we all have different human designs. We all, you know, some people are in their body more than others are. You and I are very in our bodies. Um, I do a thing in module four, uh, four of my coursework called turn on and turn offs, where I have people, my clients, really identify how their body responds when it is a divine yes and when it's a divine no like for me like we just got like i'm like a move i'm like oh yeah that's it like i start kind of like dancing I'm like yes some people it's like a gut feeling just in the tummy or the solar plexus you know for some people like their face might get warm some people get like giddy and excited some people like everyone has a little bit of a different reaction so i have my clients really figure out what that divine yes, that turn on is so that they can make decisions so swiftly, so effortlessly. Cause you know, are you familiar with, um, the like KonMari method of cleaning the Japanese? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So I did this years ago and it was like horrendously emotional for me, but I got so good at knowing like, what's a yes, what's a no. I was like, oh, there's something to this. I went through that process of going through so many items of clothes, so many articles of like old mail and whatever that I had the practical experience by doing so much volume that I knew what was a yes, what was a no. So that's what I try to teach my clients because that, that swift decision-making has changed my life, especially as a recovering people pleaser. So I know now like, yep, no. And people are like, wow, you used to not even be able to decide where to go to lunch. And yes. now you're like, you know, a huge deal comes through and instantly like, nope, 
I'm like, what? You didn't need to consider that? No, my body already did. My soul already did. It's either a turn on or a turn off. And that was a turn off. Like, how do you oh, know this? <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, I, I, I do this in a, a money module where we print out where you it's spent the money, the money last module. Month. Yes. Yes. And you highlight, okay, each one, like how, how did this charge? How does it feel in my body? Does it feel expansive or do I feel contracted? And I feel like it's such an easy thing. Cause you're literally going down the list of like, oh, that was a subscription that I, I don't, I didn't even realize I had and what the fuck. And then you can feel that the body is like, like, nope, nope, nope. And then you have that, you know, whatever that thing is, whether it was the massage or the, the, you know, getting your hair done for me, it's my nails, like whatever that is. And you're like, oh yeah, that felt so juicy. And so I love that as a super quick, easy thing to go through, go through there. It's yeah, it's delicious. I want to add on to our current topic of like the money currency and the energy of spending and this and that. One of the ways that I have my clients really get to know their true self-value and their true self-worth is by looking at their financial currency flow. Who was this purchase for? Who was getting these nails done for? Did I do my hair? for me, because I love it, I like having blonde, or did I do this because I heard one time 10 years ago that my husband really likes blondes? Like, who is it for? If we look down to the root of who every transaction is for, it really helps us figure out, oh shit, no wonder I'm miserable. No wonder I have no self-worth. I've been making everyone's, all of my decisions for everyone else's approval. So we look at our values. And then we look at our purchases and we see, do these correlate at all? Because if I value honesty, integrity, uh, all these beautiful spiritual principles, but I'm putting all of my money energetics into handbags or shoes, and don't get me wrong, we all deserve the nicest things. But if I don't value that is my point, why am I putting so much energy into it through the form of currency. So if I say, oh, I value nice things. Okay. I buy nice things. That's a match. But if I didn't write that I value nice things on my list, who is this for? Oh, then we go deeper. So we really get to know truly who we've been operating for, why we're miserable, why we're not embodied, why we're not in full integrity, because we know all this stuff in our deep core, but we haven't thought about it. Because I don't often have to extrapolate this from clients like other things. They're like, oh, shit, that was for that person. That was because my mom said she liked this dress. Oh, I bought this car because I want to impress that friend. It's like, whoa, whoa. Okay, we're on to something here. Mm, that's so good. You know, it makes me think about my own journey as a coach. And I'm curious if you've experienced this or not. Um, when I was first starting, I felt like there was a certain version of me that needed to be presented. Like I am the women's empowerment coach. And that's kind of like the world I started in now. I don't, I'm like, it's shifted and moved and, and flowed so much, but I remember doing these photo shoots where it was like, here's me with a journal and I'm smiling with my hand underneath my chin. Like, and I bless and love that version of me that like thought that's what she needed to do to be in this industry. And then I also saw you know, I remember, let me pause. I remember someone asking me, who do you look up to in the industry? Like, who do you want to, who do you aspire to be like? And I had a really hard time with that. Cause I, I was like, well, I resonate with this person, but I know that I'm also this and this and this, and then I resonate with this part of this person, but I'm also this and this and this and this. And I had a really hard time. And I'm, I got to this point where I was like, I don't fit in the box. Like I love my pole dancing and my like 
big mama heels and I have my ass cheeks on, on Instagram. And also I'm deeply spiritual. And of course I do have the tan goddess dresses, but that's not me all the time. I'm also like a powerful, you know, I like my bold lip and I'm, I'm going to say fuck, and I'm going to do all of these things. And also I have this softness and I will guide, you know, through the meditations and the channeling and all of that stuff. And so I'm curious for you, if you've experienced this in your transition from entertainment industry into building your business. Oh my God. 1000%. You and I are such twins. When I first started saying, okay, I am so not this vapid fake version of me that Hollywood manufactured with my permission. Let's not fully, you know, I, I allowed it. It's my thing. But when sure. I started to shift into, okay, I'm going to abandon myself to my spiritual purpose. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go full out on my spirituality. Like it's my only choice and I love it. It feels good. Like it was like so much. Yes, yes, yes. I started wearing costumes um, for of the spiritual community. I'd go to these big gatherings of thousands of people and I'd be like, oh my God, like I don't have harem pants. Wait, I don't, I don't have a namaste goddess dress. Like I need to go get one. And then through doing the work, I realized there is nothing more spiritual than being your most authentic self. And I remember I would not wear as much makeup because so many people in the spiritual community, which is hilarious, were like, you wear so much makeup. Like, okay, no. So I actually toned it down because I wanted to fit in. Then I realized, no, I love makeup. I love a soft glam. I love being sexy. I like, you know, leather biker jackets. I love super high heels. I love it all. So next event, I showed up like wearing a, like a, an all black, like super sexy, like <laughs> looking like Trinity out of the matrix. Okay. With a full face. And I got such a better response because that was me. And I wasn't looking for her response. I actually got a couple people saying, oh, is that jacket vegan? I'm like, no, it's leather. Well, aren't you plant-based? Like, yeah, my diet, but I'm, I never said I was vegan. Vegan's a lifestyle. I'm plant-based. Like, don't get it twisted. But it was like, I actually became more me and I felt so much more spiritual. Spirituality is not conformity. And it took me probably like a year of figuring that out. We're not clones of each other. It doesn't mean that we inspire and motivate other people. Oh, I love that dress. I want to, I want to wear a dress like that. Absolutely. But I don't need to wear that dress as the price of admission to be a spiritual being. So I am ruthlessly unapologetic for the fact that I love a full face. I don't care at all when people think, oh, you're masking. I go, no. I am not masking because I don't need makeup. I'm on my Instagram all the time with no makeup, no filter. The fact is I love doing it. Uh, and it took me a long time to really get super honest about this. Am I doing this because I feel like I have flaws or am I doing it because it's a creative outlet? I really sat with it. And the fact is I love it because it, it's a creative outlet. I never know what I'm going to do every day with my makeup. And I, I say every day loosely because I don't do it every day. But it's like my face is a canvas. And for me, it's meditative. You know, I literally will be done. And I'm like, oh, shit, that turned out kind of good. Like I wasn't even like there or analyzing it. It was like channeling art in a way. And it's fun for me. And I love it. And if someone has a problem with that, that says much more about them than it does about me. And I guarantee you, I'm not masking at all. And I might not embody this creative outlet in 10 years. Maybe I'll take it from my eyes to a piece of paper. Maybe it'll be something else, but right now I love it. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Like just all around 
Yes. I knew we needed to meet. This is incredible. This is incredible. Um, so I want to switch gears just a little bit, and I'm really curious about your relationship with sensuality, given your work in the Playboy world. I, I did hear your podcast with Melissa um, last week, and I know that you worked in that space and you had mentioned how you would show your body and you you were very open with like, this is my body, this is the company I'm working for. And I'm curious how that relationship has shifted since you've stepped into your spirituality. This is such a great question. I've never been asked this. I've never discussed this. So you're getting the exclusive girlfriend. There was many years after I transitioned from Playboy into self-mastery coaching or just wellness coaching, embodiment coaching, um, where I wouldn't do anything sexy at all. It was almost like you know, put a sweatshirt on, put a put a paper trash bag on because I wasn't sure if I could show up from that sensual space for the right reasons. I knew through my own self-awareness and self-mastery practice that I'm not gonna show up in a bikini on Instagram if it is not from my soul and my purest place and intention. So I, just push that part out until I knew I had healed those wounds. I had transmuted the need for validation and a dopamine hit from the reaction to no, this is me. So yeah, I went from a place of sexual exploitation and looking for that like reaction to no, I am a sensual being. I have a great body. I picked it with my, you know, <laughs> with source before I came here. I love it. I'm not showing it to be sexually explicit. I'm not trying to turn men on like I used to. I know that I'm just showing up because this is me. I'm not going to airbrush, you know, cellulite out of my butt. I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm showing up as me now because I've healed those wounds. So it was a process. And it took me probably, I would say about five solid years of really dissecting the reasons that I did those choices in the past to saying, okay, I know a hundred percent in my body, you know, in my soul that I am showing up in a more sensual way for the right reasons, because it's authentically me and I am not afraid of the reaction I get. I don't care about the reaction. I'm not showing up for a reaction. This is what I'm wearing today and I'm shooting it and posting it. And I don't plan or curate my like Instagram feed, for example. I don't say, okay, I'm gonna do, you know, I'm gonna go to the beach and shoot a bunch of bikini shots and pretend like I'm some free wildflower frolicking in the sand. No, but if I'm out at the beach and I wanna shoot some content, I'm not gonna be like, oh God, I don't, you know, have a sweater on. I don't want people to think I'm being, you know, this old Playboy version of myself. No, I just show up and do me. And the more I'm authentic, the more I come from that healed, beautiful place, the more I do attract, you know, my soulmate clients and my soulmate friends, right? But it, it was a journey and it did take quite a long time. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm curious too about your relationship because you were with your husband while you were in that career and through this transition. Is that, is that right? Absolutely right. Mm -hmm. So 
What I hear from a lot of women is that they get nervous to step into their expansion because they are concerned that their partner is not going to grow with them, or they've been expanding and their partner just does not want to hear it, does not want to have anything to do with it. Do you have any words of wisdom for that woman? 1000%, a million percent. I have words of wisdom for that woman. It's the truth. You will never be in absolute parallelism with your spiritual journey or your spiritual growth because you are two individual sovereign souls with your own unique dharma your own unique karma your own trauma core wounds things that you all need to overcome does that not mean that you are not soulmates and you weren't meant to do this cosmic dance together absolutely but i need to rid myself of my ego's need to do it together and do it in unison so I can speak on this because once I woke up, once I started seeing the 444s and the 333s, I'm like, oh my God, James, I'm being divinely guided. This is the best thing ever. I know what gratitude feels like. I'm vibrating at the frequency of absolute joy and inner peace and bliss. Like literally, I was like, ah, I'm manifesting miracles. Do what I'm doing. Oh my God, you have to listen to this podcast. Get these Wayne Dyer books. Oh my God, start looking for signs. Start writing down this. I was turning him off. He was like, you are effing crazy lady. Like, you need to stop with like the hysterics about like your spiritual awakening. I literally was trying to jam it down his throat. Like you have to feel what I feel. I remember we got into an argument once. This is so freaking ridiculous. I was like, I just want you to feel the serenity that I'm feeling right now. And he was like, oh, I don't want any of that. That's, that's not it. And that's when I realized in that moment, like your ego, which operates from fear, is worrying that he's going to be left in the dust, that you guys are going to have to get a divorce, that you guys are not going to be in divine union. And I knew in that moment, and I sat with it, I, it took me about a week to really like marinate on this, because what am I going to do, like divorce my husband, because I'm a few years ahead of him. As soon as I let go of the need to try to control his spiritual journey, which saying out loud is so effing preposterous. No one can control any spiritual journey, but women who are listening right now, who are in a relationship where their boo is not where they are, please, I ask you, let go. Stop trying to force the combo down the throat. You know, the, the retreats down the throat, the circles down the throat, the breath work down the throat. Be a light. Be a light that calls lost ships to shore because it's shining so brightly. Let's be about attraction rather than my need to promote my growth. Be that light being that they will be like, ooh, I do want what she has, right? So when I let go of the need to control my husband's spiritual journey, and I detached from it and I started focusing more on mine. I started really focusing on my spiritual condition, my frequency, my manifestations. And this was a very conscious choice of mine. That's when two weeks later, my husband has hit, had his spiritual awakening two weeks later, and he followed a similar path, totally different, but similar through the ways that resonated with his soul, his mind. How egotistical of me to think that what hit my heart like a dump truck or made my lights go off would be the same things that would make his lights go off. We're not the same person. So yeah, I was a bit in front of him, 
but now we are on that parallel path. I'm just a little bit, I'm a few years more down the road, but now it's like, we have these conversations. He asks me, how do I manifest this and that without me saying, let me show you how to manifest. Okay. You need to meet me tomorrow morning and we're going to manifest. It's like, no, that's not how it is. Now it's like, we're these two wonderfully individual spiritual people who have our own unique practices. We don't even have the same higher power source. His is nature. And mine is like universal consciousness who I choose to call source. It's like, whoa, but we can do this in cahoots. And we go to quote unquote church together, which is like we go out into the wilderness for weeks at a time and we're backpacking and we have like this beautiful, sacred, spiritual relationship but it wasn't built on the same foundation. It was his unique spiritual journey and my unique spiritual journey meeting up in the middle. And I am so glad I learned to let go. Wow, it changed my life. So ladies, let go, let the universe, let the cosmos, let source do all the heavy lifting for you. When we hold on, we're not, we're creating like this container of fear that's pushing source out. There's no room for source to come in and work miracles when we're holding on for dear life. As soon as I let go, I open up that energetic space for source to literally come through swiftly and with effortless ease and deliver all the miracles. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay. And that's, that's the sound clip that for your career, for your business, for your relationship, for your health, let go, let go, let go, let go. And I feel like that comes back to trust and it comes back to honesty with self and intimacy and, and really just coming back to your truth and releasing, releasing everything that we can't, we can't control. I mean, we really truly can't control anything except what's between our ears. And even then we can choose, do we want to actually step in and take ownership of that? Or do we get to release that too? (laughs) Totally. And that's why that faith component is so important. If I don't have a relationship with my divine team, you know, my angels, my guides, my, you know, source energy, how am I going to let go and turn it over to it? So if someone's listening, they're like, okay, that sounds nice. Easier said than done. I would ask them to go all in, go full out on your relationship with your higher power. Start your day in contact, even if it's just like, hey, source, thanks for the most beautiful day. Easy. And when you're driving, hey, source, thanks for keeping me safe and protected. Hey, thanks for this sun coming through the window on my skin. Thanks for getting me there safely. I think I just said that twice. I do that a lot. The um, protection manifestation, like just be in this constant contact with your higher power source all day long so you can still start cultivating this relationship and you'll start realizing the more you have this rock solid relationship where your higher power source is your best friend all these little miracles start happening and then you're like okay if one miracle can manifest any miracle can manifest i'm going to let go of my need to control this situation with my job i'm going to let go of my need to control this situation with my family or my mom or my sisters or the world or anything i'm going to let go and i'm going to turn it over to this beautiful thing that has shown me time and time again that all things are possible i'm going to stop and i'm going to let it do it and that's when huge miracles come in so Anyone listening, get ready for it. I'm telling you, you are a miracle magnet. We just have to let go and allow the miracles, the space to come in. Mm, Damn. So good. So good. So good. So good. I know that we're getting close on time and I can't end this podcast without talking about people pleasing, because I know that's a big part of your past. It's a big part of my past. And I would love to hear 
how people pleasing served you, if there was any way that it served you and then your steps to get out of it, how do you get out of the people pleasing? It's going to always come down to radical self-appraisal and radical honesty. So again, I'll, I'll, I'll bring back that example that I mentioned at the very top of the show about like buying everyone drinks. Who is this for? That wasn't for me. That was for them to potentially think something about me that I wanted them to think. Then why was I making those choices? There's always an underlying fear at the bottom of any choice from lower consciousness. And their fear was they're not going to like me. The fear was they're going to find out I'm a fraud. They're going to know I'm not as successful as I'm portraying I am. They're going to think I'm broke. They're like, there's so many things that my ego was trying to protect myself from. So my people pleasing was a self-preservation tool. It was a survival skill that I needed. And in a lot of ways, it was co-signing my own narrative, my own story. I was telling myself. So how we get out of that? is we transmute people pleasing or i can tell you what i did into service to others i get rid of any people pleasing that is absolute bogus and totally low vibrational like buying people drinks to you know maybe try to get them so drunk that they don't notice how drunk i am i would do that a lot well if i buy them four shots and i've had four they're not gonna notice i had four so i'm just gonna get everyone really drunk so they don't notice so I still love to make people happy. I still love to serve, but instead of making people happy where I become a doormat, now I make them happy from a place of service and overflow. By that, I mean, I put myself on the top of the list of people to please. And once I have totally filled my cup from my heart center, where my heart is overpouring, like an endless waterfall of bliss, love, compassion, allowance, and acceptance, that's when I'm going to serve. And when I'm operating from that place, it's all service. None of it is people pleasing because I've done the work. I've looked at my underlying fears and those conditions and those core wounds. You know, growing up, I can look back and see where I was rejected and abandoned and lost friends and this and that. And all of this people pleasing was a larger symptom of that wound that I never looked at. So when you do the work and you look at your life story and you look at the trauma and the wounds and the dirty things done to us, I can see where these behaviors stem from. And once I shine the light on these behaviors and their root cause, guess what? They don't hold power over me anymore because now if a people pleasing characteristic pops up, because don't get me wrong, from time to time they do, um, I go, oh no, bitch. And I'm talking to the, the people pleasing. Uh-uh, we ain't playing that game. I know where you came from. We're not doing that. Bye. And I either just like flick it away like the annoying flea it is, or I choose to say, what's the lesson in this right now? Why is this coming back? What are the deeper layers of the onion I need to peel, peel back on this people pleasing? And I noticed for me later in life, I had eradicated it like 100%. It started coming back like a couple years ago with my mom. Like, I am people pleasing my mother. Ooh, ooh. And it was, I loved it because when I identified this, I was like, oh my God, I can go deeper on this mother wound that I have. And I can go deeper on this people pleasing that I have. And I was like excited by it because I thought I had like transmuted that shit. It was gone. I was like, ooh, I'm on top of the spiritual mountain. I did it. 
Like, no, oh my God, there's more work to do. This is cool. And it allowed me to build more self-confidence, more self-worth by putting up more boundaries, by building my self-esteem and self-respect, by doing respectable and esteemed acts. Ooh, what a concept. So every little people-pleasing thing that pops up is an opportunity to go deeper on that wound work and decide whether I wanna rid myself of it or if I wanna transmute it into an asset that serves me in the collective. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. All the way around. So good. So good. So good. So good. So real fast, I want to ask you like a couple quick, quick questions. Any practices that you love doing on a daily basis or weekly basis that you're like your must haves, must do's in your life? Yeah, there's a process that I do called snooze gratitude. So one of the things that a lot of people have an issue with is they don't have time to cultivate a spiritual practice. I'm like, okay, how does the 10 minutes before your second alarm goes off sound? You know, no, I don't know about you, but I don't, when an alarm goes off, I'm like, oh, I'm going to spring out of bed. Um, now I live a life where I don't wake up on alarms, but I used to, right? Especially being on air and having call times, you know how that goes. So I would set that first alarm to go off about 10 minutes before the real alarm goes off. And when that first alarm goes off, we're actually in a little bit of a snoozy theta state. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to program my brain for the day in the most lazy way possible. It doesn't have to be emotionally charged. I just have to go through it in my mind space. Thank you for this bed that I'm sleeping in. Thank you for these snuggly socks. Thank you for this luscious duvet. Thank you for this fine ass man next to me. You know, thank you for my house. So it's not things I have to use my brain to do. It's the laziest gratitude practice on earth and I call it snooze gratitude. I highly recommend everyone implements this because literally when you program your brain in that theta state day after day, you are gonna become a miracle magnet, I guarantee it. And I would love for the listeners of this show to send both you and I a comment, a DM, and let us know how your snooze gratitude goes after that first like three or four weeks. Cause I know I it's going to, I know it's going to be good. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Any personal development books that are like the top, if you're like, if you read one book, what, what would you say is like your favorite personal development or spirituality book? I think Wayne, Dr. Wayne Dyer, the late and great Dr. Wayne Dyer's uh, wisdom of the ages, because what he does is he looks at all the great seers and sages all the way back from like Vedic times to like, you know, John Quincy Adams, like all these all these people from all spectra of specs, uh, all places in their different lifetimes and um gandhi like all these people that we might not even think about or like uh and he tells you where the wisdom is where the spiritual practicality is and how we can implement it so it's one of these books that i actually got on tape and that shows you how old i am because they're not even on tape anymore but i got this book on tape and i put the cd in my car and i downloaded the cd to my car and it's something i listen to like every um few months and i hear something i never heard before and i'm like oh i can hear the ancient wisdom of certain poets i can hear the ancient wisdom of certain spiritualists of even he talks about like rumi and rumi's teacher i'm like wait rumi had a teacher like what like so i just like going on these deeper layers of esoteric knowledge and i know that ancient wisdom is the universal truth so i would highly recommend wisdom of the ages by dr wayne dyer Beautiful. Thank you so much. Andrea, where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? 
Absolutely. So my website is my name, andrealowell.com. And I'm always on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is the I am everything project because that's the name of my mentorship programs. And if people want to stay in touch, they can click the link tree in my bio. And that's where all the goodies are all the freebies, the links to work with me either one on one um, in or one on one sessions, I should say, or mentorship programs. So all the deets are going to be on either my website or the link in my link tree on my Instagram at the I'm everything project. Amazing. I have had the best time. Like Same. this has been awesome. I feel like we need to meet in real life. It's, it's been such a fast hour. I'm like, Holy shit. We've been talking for so long. This is amazing. I could go for three more hours. Um, but I want to know, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you're like, Ooh, there is this one piece of wisdom or anything that you want to circle back to for the woman who is like, Andrea, I want to live my life full out. What do I do? I would say it's really knowing what unconditional love is and really operating from that space. So like I can look at someone in my life who let's say I just do not like the decisions they're making. I don't respect the decisions they're making. I don't like any choice they've made. I don't like the treatment they give me. Do I hate them? No, I don't. I love them unconditionally because I accept where they are in their spiritual journey. I can look at where I was in my spiritual journey when I was making horrible choices. I'm talking horrible scumbag choices. And I do I judge myself for where I were, where I was? Absolutely not. I see how it was all divine. So I look at someone who I don't like their choices, but I can still love them because I accept where they are on their spiritual path, on their dharma, their soul mission, and their soul mission is none of my business. If they're failing, that's none of my business. And if I think they're failing, that's my judgment because my ego needs to be right. So I implore everyone to practice unconditional love. And this doesn't mean that I allow people to, you know, walk all over me with their dirty ass feet. Uh-uh. It means I allow them the dignity of their own failures because I love them unconditionally. Do I like what they're doing? No. But do I still love them? Yes. Dang. Allow them the dignity of their own failures. That is epic, epic, epic wisdom. Andrea, it has been a pleasure and honor. It's been so fun. Thank you for being on the podcast. I am so glad we connected. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Oh. We will see you next time. If you love this podcast episode, take a screenshot, tag Andrea and myself, share it with a friend. Andrea, thanks so much. Girl, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. If today's podcast inspired you in any way, we would love your support in spreading the word. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let the other queens in your life know that they are also worthy of living life full out. If you want to continue the conversation, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook at Samantha Joe Harvey. Have a fabulous day, and I'll see you next time.